This is QD Clinic, and I'm Jack Cush with Room Now. QD Clinic is brought to us by PSA All the Way, our campaign on psoriatic arthritis. This week, check out some exciting blogs on PSA. Eric Ruderman's got a good one about co-management. He runs a room derm clinic on psoriatic arthritis. And Rachel Tate's got an interesting one on MDA, that superlative goal of minimal disease activity. Today, my case is getting as good as it gets. I've got a 55-year-old patient with psoriatic arthritis. She's had psoriasis going back to like 1978, something like that. She developed psoriatic arthritis almost 13, 14 years later in 1991. Then the diagnosis was established based on um, symmetric oligoarthritis, uh, a bout of dactylitis, an occasional elevated sed rate of 50 or 67, and seronegativity. She had uh, fairly minimal arthritis, smashed with non-steroidals, one-point non-steroidals. She didn't want to take methotrexate because she was young and she wanted to drink wine on the weekends. Um, and I didn't get her until the late 90s, and it wasn't until around 2005 that I started her on Etanercept. Uh, and not surprisingly, she did remarkably well. In fact, she went into remission both, um, she had more arthritis than skin disease at all times. She had some activity occasionally behind the ears, in the scalp, belly button, but not like a tremendous amount of skin. Uh, and uh, as long as she was not on a DMARD or a biologic, that was always there, but not a major problem. As soon as she went on etanercept, all her skin problem went away. But so did her arthritis. She rarely ever had any problems. So you can fast forward from 2005 all the way up to 2021 uh, and uh, even 2022. And she's still in remission and still on etanercept. So there's several things that I think bear um, an underline here in the story. Lesson number one, a line that you should tell all your patients who are on methotrexate, who are on etanercept, who are on any kind of long-term therapy. And I think it's very important to say this, and that is the longer you take the drug, the safer it is. Because if you don't say it and you don't believe it, then they're going to worry. If you don't say it, they're going to think, oh, man, I shouldn't be taking this stuff. It's poison. It's toxic. It's toxic. It's building up in my system. It's changing all my good humors to evil humors and whatnot. And again, and again, they're reminded not by you. They're reminded by television ads that say ugly things that biologics can do. But the fact is that if you go on a TNF inhibitor or on methotrexate, you're going to have problems with it. It's going to be early on. It's going to be first six months. After that, it's a random event. It's not the cumulative exposure to etanercept. The risk of TB is very, very early, right? The risk of bizarro things, LFTs, for instance, always early, not going to happen in year 14. So the longer you use the drug, the safer it is, not the more dangerous it is. Second, um, over the years, she's had musculoskeletal problems. And the question always is, is this um, her arthritis and or enthesitis coming back? She's young. She's athletic. She plays sports. She runs. She goes to gyms. You know, she's had tailbone pain, shoulder problems, um, heel problems. And the question always is, is this a sports injury or is this enthesitis? Um, almost always that can be resolved by um, 
a good history, physical, um, and sometimes imaging and sometimes labs. But more often than not, these were intercurrent problems based on activity. And time and uh, a little TLC was going to prove that. You do have to worry that they could have an enthesitis or a flare-up of their arthritis, especially if they're not without your knowledge or consent, you know, weaning the medicine, taking less of it. She was not doing that. And in every case, she's never really had enthesitis or anything that we needed to change her TNF inhibitor for or increase the dose. Um, the third thing worth underscoring here is comorbidity management. She's young, she's healthy, she's not obese, she's athletic, she's slim. Um, she has no depression, but she has had hypertension. And I think it's my responsibility as her rheumatologist and the person who knows about the risk of comorbidities with psoriatic disease that I make sure that she gets normal screening things done, like lipid levels once a year, a hemoglobin A1C once a year, seeing a cardiologist once she turned 50, um, and telling her she doesn't need to go every year, maybe every other year. Her mother has a history and her father has a history of cardiac events, but she certainly has no other risk factors other than her hypertension and her psoriatic arthritis. And then lastly, what about the TB risk? She was tested for um, TB with a skin test way back when we started, and then has had a quantifiron. Do you have to repeat that annually? No, 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 no. And if insurance companies tell you to do that, they're a bunch of idiots. The risk of TB does not go up with prolonged TNF and use. It does not change annually. It only changes when her risk changes based on her exposure. So if she's been around someone with active TB, if she traveled to Calcutta and was working in the slums, where there's a high risk of endemic TB, then yeah, she should be tested. But there's no reason to do repeat TB testing. Again, when the going gets good, that's all you need to know, and that's what you need to remind the patient of over time. Tune in for more QD Clinics. This is QD Clinic. Hi, I'm Jack Cush with Room Now. QD Clinic, we talk about patients. This month, we're talking about PSA patients. Today's patient is... What happens when you lose the drug effect? So this particular patient's 36 years old, a male. He's had psoriasis about 12 years and psoriatic arthritis about eight years. Um, has a past, uh, other past history of anxiety, um, cholecystectomy, a little overweight. Um, he's currently taking adalimumab and ibuprofen. Um, used to take uh, anxi anxiety medicines like Lexapro and up, but can't tolerate that. Um, his diagnosis of psoriatic arthritis is based on having polyarthritis, DIP, not DIP, PIPs, MCPs, toes, tendinopathy, and active psoriasis. Uh, he's been on adalimumab now for about four years and now comes in not quite doing so well. So what's he complaining of? He's complaining of recurrence of his skin. He now has lesions, fingernail problems, and he's got new plaques in his belly button and crack of butt and private parts, and he's bothered by this. But upon further questioning, you find out the adalimumab, which was supposed to be given every two weeks, was spaced out every three weeks. That was okay. Then about 
three months ago, he went to every four weeks because he foresaw a problem with his employer, change of insurance, was off medicine, and yeah, being off the medicine, all of a sudden things get worse. The interesting thing about whether or not a psoriatic arthritis patient can stop or wean a biologic is sort of told by the skin, is it not? These drugs are, that we use are good at the joints, but fabulous at the skin. And often upon weaning these drugs, whether it be a TNF or an IL-17 or an IL-23 inhibitor, the first thing to show up is the skin and nails. That happens in the majority of my patients, not the joints. So, and because, and there's a lot of reasons for that. One, uh, the skin is much more sensitive to these drugs. Two, often you need to use higher doses of these drugs to get more complete POSI 90, POSI 100 responses. So again, withdrawing the drug, weaning the drug, it's going to show up in the skin more than anything else. Obviously, the easy thing to do here is get back on the horse and take the same dose that they're supposed to take. His flare of skin wasn't so horrific that I needed to go back to or escalate to weekly um, uh, TNF inhibitor. No, I didn't. We went back to the every other week and he did well over the next few weeks. If it was really bad, I would go back to every week, probably for four to six weeks and then go to every other week and then tell him about this is like a reminder, dude, you got to take your medicine and you know, you, you really don't have much room to wean and act as if ye does not have psoriatic disease because ye does. So other things I consider in these situation is why is a patient getting more and more flares? Is it because of compliance, um, either permitted or sort of self-volunteered non-compliance? Or is it a patient factor like he's gaining weight or he's smoking? Um, or there's a secondary um, musculoskeletal problem related to activity. But if he's not doing well, he's probably not going to be overly active and out there, you know, causing himself injury from playing sports and whatnot. I think a few things bear emphasis here. One, staying on the regimen is probably the way to go for most of our patients. Two, you know, not all of our drugs last forever. In fact, biologic survival in psoriatic arthritis is not that different than rheumatoid arthritis because we're of course measuring biologic survival based on the joints and what they do since they're all roughly equal then they all pretty much follow the way of tnf inhibitors which is over four to five years you lose 40 to 50 percent of patients and that's for all reasons loss of efficacy development of toxicity dog ate my homework it doesn't really matter but it roughly, it averages out to about 10% a year, although it's front-loaded. You lose basically 20, 30% in the first year, right? It's not that different than for other drugs like ustekinumab, secukinumab, ixekizumab, now gisulcumab, uh, and probably a primalast, although I haven't seen good data on that. A Danish study looked at drug survival and compared it to, uh, biological survival compared it in RA, to PSA, to PSO, and spondylitis. And, you know, they were remarkably the same, although the mes messages from the um, psoriatic subset, which was 2,500 followed over three plus years, they showed that the worst survival in psoriatic arthritis patients was in their study, tofacitinib and infliximab, um, with sort of an equal performance of everything else 
with um, Galumab, Ixikizumab, and Secukinumab leading the, leading the way. Not much in the way of Gaselkumab um, in that study. Um, but when I looked at the psoriasis patients, Gaselkumab, the IL-23 inhibitor, was clearly better than the others. And this is what we see in the psoriasis trials, that the newer drugs, the IL-23 inhibitors, even the 12 and, and the 12-23 inhibitors were better than TNF inhibitors, right, as far as drug survival and overall success. So... Losing effect is sometimes an eventuality, but sometimes it's due to something that you can fix by a little bit of questioning. Tune in for more QD Clinics. This is QD Clinic. I'm Jack Cush with RoomNow.com. QD Clinic is focusing on psoriatic arthritis all month. Today's case is, uh-oh, liver enzymes. That's right. This uh, gentleman is a 58-year-old male who has established psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. He also has uh, occasional LFT elevations and a documented fatty liver. His other past medical history includes hypertension, hyperlipidemia, um, past thyroid cancer, thyroid surgery, obesity. He's currently taking uh, ustekinumab um, and... Really, that's about it. He doesn't use much in the way of non-steroidals. He's not on any DMARTs. Prior therapies, before he came to me, included methotrexate, sulfasalazine, hydroxychloroquine. And when he came to me, he was on etanercept. Uh, after a few years of that, we switched him over because he was just having more joint problems uh, and more skin problems and has done incredibly well with the 1223 inhibitor. His fatty liver... NAFLD has been documented largely by uh, ultrasound. He's not had a biopsy. He's not been seen by the hepatologist. His liver enzymes tend to bounce around, you know, never any higher than 70, usually somewhere between 40 and 50, and occasionally up to 60. The current one at this visit was an ALT of 33 and an AST of 45. And the question is, what am I going to do about it? How long do I tolerate this? And I think we have to consider the extent of the problem and the future risks. So, number one, PSA is not like RA. RA has almost no risk of, you know, cirrhosis, no matter what is in play. I mean, I shouldn't say no. There's a very, very small risk. On the other hand, psoriatics have a much bigger risk of liver problems because they start out with a higher rate of, of non-fatty, um, non-alcoholic liver disease. Um, they have um, more progression of NAFLD to some problems, including cirrhosis. Uh, and I think that they're just a higher risk group. So that's number one. So you're, you're going to probably do things in PSA that you would not do in RA, like more testing, more referrals, maybe more imaging or more biopsies. Uh, I can tell you overall, amongst my psoriatic arthritis patients, I have very few that ever, that ever progressed to liver biopsy. I have a number, maybe, you know, 10, 15% that I might share and get a consult with the hepatologist um, on my campus. So this is my algorithm. Number one, go through the drugs. And foremost on that list, if you're dealing with fatty liver um, in RA, you can give someone methotrexate if their liver enzymes are stable. On the other hand, in PSA, because there's so much on the table and the risks are higher, um, I tend to avoid drugs that are known to cause 
LFTL abnormalities. And so that makes methotrexate and leflunamide off my list. Sulfasalazine off my list. JAK inhibitors probably off my list. Luckily, all the other drugs that we use in psoriatic disease for skin or joints, 12, 23 inhibitors, 23 inhibitors, 17 inhibitors, um, Aprimolast, uh, even Abitacept, and all the TNF inhibitors are largely okay. There's a rare, 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 rare risk of um, liver disease in patients on largely infliximab and a few on adalimumab, but almost none on etanercept. It's a very rare risk. Like, you know, in the first, was it like two to 5,000 patients, there were like 42 cases at the FDA back in 2003 when they looked at this. So I would use a TNF inhibitor. But if, again, if I had to, I got a lot of other drugs to choose from. Second, get the labs you need to get. Hep B and Hep C testing, looking to see if they might have a chronic carrier state. Um, I don't do autoantibody testing on anybody who has any liver disease. You know why? They're going to get autoantibodies. You know, there's a paper back in the late 80s, early 90s, American Journal of Medicine, um, a cohort of chronic liver disease patients, and 50% had autoantibodies all over the chart, including double-stranded DNA. Don't get autoantibodies on chronic liver disease unless you're asking a specific question. Don't be fishing for autoimmunity because when their livers are irritated, the liver is like the largest active immune organ you've got. Um, you know, I might do ferritin if I thought that was appropriate. I might do heavy metals based on job or where they live or something like that. But in general, I leave that to the consultant uh, if need be. Um, ask about alcohol. It's the other drug that's on play and it's the one that they can modify. I'm pretty liberal about my patients on methotrexate using alcohol. Uh, I, I don't think there's any evidence that it's a bad thing. And if you do in the United States, talk to your colleagues in Europe and in Canada where everyone's drinking tons of, uh, of beer and wine and whatnot and doing well on methotrexate. But again, with psoriatic disease, my, I get, tend to get more stringent. And I tend to tell my patients, listen, if you want to avoid another consult, another doctor visit, and maybe more tests, and God knows what else happens after that, maybe you should lay off the beer on the weekends. Um, and then there's a small percentage in whom, um, despite everything I've done ahead of time, I'll refer to the hepatologist, preferably if you don't have a hepatologist, find the GI guy in your neighborhood who likes liver disease and likes to, to, to um, manage such patients. They may want to get fibro scans. They may want to do biopsies. But again, that's a minority of my patients overall. So most PSA patients can safely be managed with the drugs we use, even in the face of NAFLD and occasional liver, liver enzyme elevations. That's it for this QD Clinic. Tune in for more.